listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Welcome, everyone. This is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Ed Wallace. He's an author and consults with and speaks to corporations and associations across the globe with a client list that reads like a who's who of Fortune 500 companies. I first came to know Ed way back in 2006. I didn't meet him in person, but I was in Las Vegas. I'd finished up giving a speech. I had some time on my hands. I'm at the airport bookstore getting ready for my flight to leave, and I pick up a book called Business Relationships That Last. I believe that book was a critical point in my professional life because I learned how to build relationships with high-level prospects. What if there was a way that you mastered the skill of building relationships? Well, that's the business that Ed is in. He's the author of Fairs to Friends, Creating Relational Capital and Business Relationships That Last, and his most recent is the number one bestseller, The Relationship Engine. In addition to all of this, Ed is currently on the executive education faculty of Drexel's LeBeau College of Business and Villanova University's Human Resources Master's Program. I hope you get some great content from today's show. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, we've got a special guest, Ed Wallace. Ed, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, Scott. Great to be with you and your audience. Absolutely. And, and let me give everybody some background on how I came to know you. I, like I mentioned to you before, I used to do a lot of training within the recruiting industry. I'm not doing that. And back in the day, it must have been 2006, I was speaking everywhere. I was in the Las Vegas airport. I picked up your book. I remember that from the Hudson Bookseller. And I read that and there are some great content in there. And I'd even quoted you many times to the people that I was doing training with. And I know that in business development, that's an area you are truly a credentialed expert. So I'm really honored to have you on the show today because our target market are those people that are in business development roles in professional services or B2B sales. And so tell us a little bit about your journey Tell us about what you started at as a young adult and how did you end up today where you are with your company and your authorship and all the other things that you're involved in? I thought we only had a half an hour, Scott. (laughs) The Cliff Notes version. (laughs) So I'm a CPA by education and I'm in recovery. And part of that recovery process was to take a position in sales. I was given a sales territory in the Midwest by a Philadelphia company. I'm Philadelphia based. And uh, I wound up meeting a taxi cab driver named Max. He drove a London taxi all around Philadelphia. And I learned everything about business relationships from this guy, Max. And you may recall Max is the character, uh, the real life character in three of my four books. So I wound up, you know, struggling in sales, meeting Max. It all turned around and, um, I wound up being a VP of sales. And uh, one day, I can give you the exact date, Scott. It was August 26, 2005. My son, Grant, who is now 23 and a college baseball player, uh, he was 80, fell off a skateboard. Mm. I'm doing my VP of sales thing, and I get called to a helipad to watch my son and Grant take off in a helicopter for the children's hospital. So Mm. that was kind of a life-changing event. And I start reflecting on how I'm spending my dash you know, the year I was born, my dash until whatever. And I realized I wanted to do what I'm doing today, which is meeting an incredible person like you who has this incredible podcast and, and, and who's had this incredible 
career building relationships and working with companies to train them. The one thing I was good at was relationships. So um, started writing books and, and no one was really writing on relationship process. Everything was, you know, schmoozing and entertaining. So we actually took a very professional approach. That's why we've been successful with professional services firms on a process on how you find something in common and build trust and use time effectively, et cetera. So, so that's how I'm here. And we've had this business for 15 years. We sold it two years ago to a company called Achieve Next. We operate the business within a bigger company now, and we're having a record year even in the middle of the, the times we're having. That's fantastic. Yeah. Good for you. And I know it's because you've got that value and you understand your niche and how to communicate to your niche and what that niche really needs. And this is what I've seen in professional services. I'm in professional services as a headhunter. I recruit those that are in professional services, partners with big law firms. And the one thing I think that they really lack is an understanding of client development because not every one of them has a large portable book of business. Not all of them want to move. When I target people, do they want to move? That's fine. If not, they still want to grow their book, whether they want to move or not. So I try to give them content like you to help them understand that. And I think if we look at its core of what causes somebody to be successful in client development, you're absolutely right. It's that trust, building that relationship. And if we can pick it apart and reverse engineer it and come up with a replicable model of how to do that, then people will be successful because it's a skill. And like any other skill, it can be learned. It can be taught. People can gain mastery and competence in that, and then they can teach others. There was one concept. And by the way, for those listening, our topic is accelerating virtual relationships. So we'll get to that on a little bit more of a granular level. But one topic, I remember this, Ed, in your book, you called it the Fab Five. I think that's what it was called. Is that correct? Am I recalling that correctly? We call it the Fab Five, your your top five business relationships. Yeah. Tell me, I remember reading that and I thought this is a simple idea, yet it's profoundly effective because it has real substance to it and you're not dealing with random chance or arbitrary things you might just do and get lucky. But tell me about that. Let's kind of start with that. What is the Fab Five? Is, Is that a good place for us to start our conversation? Sure, Scott. So it gets down to some research we did that only one in 20, let's say, service professionals actually connect their goals, their financial goals, their business goals, their practice goals to human beings and their relationships with human beings. So think about that. One in 20, let's say, legal partners or accounting firm partners actually have their goals for the year and connect a human being, a name, to that goal and where they stand relationally. So we created what we call an action plan. And uh, we have an assessment called RQ. We can talk about that after the fact. And what RQ does is it asks you, okay, if you only had five relationships to accomplish your goals this year, who are those five people? And Scott's people struggle with that because they don't really prioritize relationships. They don't identify them and organize them that way. And we're forcing it. We're saying, okay, you're trying to sell $2 million. Okay, where's that going to come from? Who's the number one client contact that you need a relationship with? And what do you know about them? Where do you stand relationally? Are you an acquaintance? Are you a peer? Or are you a respected advisor with that person? And where do you want to wind up if you're not at the top, if you're not a respected advisor? What do you know about their relational GPS, their business and personal goals, their causes or passions, and and their struggles? That's the roadmap to relational success. And what's your relationship strategy with that person? 
So that's, uh, you know, we, we start with your fab five. We say, if you can do it for your top five, you can do it for your top 55, but you got to start somewhere. And we try to make it a small achievable goal for our, for our clients. So you, you threw out a bunch of $60 words just now, relational quotient, relational GPS, relationship strategies. So it sounds like this is the systematic process that you have. Is that correct? Right. We innovated a process called the relational ladder. And the relational ladder, if you can picture a ladder, it helps you take relationships from acquaintances to peer to advisor dimensions. There's only three dimensions. And um, everybody starts off as there's five steps. And and we go through these steps. I just wrote them down. We we have to find something in common. We call that establishing common ground. That's your first step. Mm -hmm. That's where you got to build credibility. The second step is displaying integrity and trust. Now you have a two-way relationship. You're doing stuff together so you can trust each other and build trust. The third is using time effectively. Got a quiz for you here, Scott. In a 60-minute client meeting, okay, let's say a client prospect meeting, how much value do you think the prospect gets from the attorney? If you took 60 minutes and you had to take a segment of minutes, what do you think the surveys come back and say that clients get value from a 60-minute meeting when an attorney's trying to sell them their services. How much time out of 60 minutes do you think the client sees as, as valuable? Maybe 20, something like well, that? Probably six minutes. Six minutes, okay. So when we're prospecting and we're meeting with prospective clients, we're attorneys, we're accountants, we're other type professional service executives, that client's expecting no value in that sales meeting. How do we bring value to that meeting? And, and one of the things we suggest is you better ask them questions they haven't heard before. And you're not, you can't make those up in the elevator or prior to the Zoom call. You've right. got to have questions that are going to provoke their thinking around, wow, this person's really believable to me. I, I've never been asked that question about my business before. And that just doesn't happen off the top of our head. So, so again, we just wrote down what everybody does naturally. You find something in common. You start trusting each other, use time effectively, and you help each other. You offer help and you ask help. And those are the five simple steps that help you advance up the relational ladder. So let me ask you this then. You talked about we can build trust by asking questions. What sort of questions are you thinking about? What do you mean when you say that? Well, well, again, it depends. Are you fluent in that client's business? Are you fluent on what, where that business is right now? As much as you can be when, when they're not a client yet. And you, are you asking questions like, Scott, I've been doing some research on your business. I've been doing some research on you on, on LinkedIn. What do you see this year with this pandemic? Let's use that as a, as a real life example. Right. That's causing you to behave differently. And, and how do you see that affecting you 12 months from now? Now, I think a client could talk about that for 20 minutes. And you can just note, note, note everything they're saying. So we've got to come up with that, that opening question. And it, it can't be about the legal reason you're there. It can't be about the patent they're working on or wh- whatever it is you're there to talk with them about. We don't want to ask them that question. We want to ask them a question about their business, how they are running their business, how they see behaviors needing to change, what they're doing virtually to lead their businesses. Remember, our clients love to talk about their business. They don't want to hear about our services yet. You're still on the first rung of the ladder. You're still trying to find something in common. You're trying to build credibility so you can start trusting each other. So tell me about this ladder then. This is in the conversation, right? It's like a ladder that we're going up. We, we try to find, like, what's the bottom rung or the top rung? Where are we starting? And how do we go up this ladder? 
Well, the ladder is aspirational because you can't get everybody to the top. So that's one of our little trade secrets. Uh, if you picture the ladder and it tapers, uh, less and less relationships get to the top rung. But the bottom rung is really wide because that's our pool of prospects. And we have to figure out which are the most important ones. And we have to try to find something in common. And that's where you build credibility. And just expanding on what I said earlier, we call that a targeted conversation. Are you going into that conversation understanding what goals and struggles this person might have on their desk? And what provocative questions are you able to ask them to lift up more about those goals and struggles? And again, you know, we like to recommend to our customers, we call our, our clients customers, we like to recommend to them, behave as a business person masquerading as an attorney. <laughs> Don't right. behave as an attorney. Your competitors are behaving as attorneys. Now, Scott, that's probably offensive. I hope you're taking that this the right way. But behave as a business person. Behave as an industry expert. Don't behave like an attorney in an initial because you're going to look like everybody else. Max, the cab driver, showed up in a London taxi. He didn't show up in a yellow cab. He showed up in a London taxi in Philadelphia. What's your taxi cab ride like? That's what you, I want you to be thinking about. From the very beginning, are you making every interaction matter? And are you knowledgeable? Are you bringing the right resources to bear? Are you not pitching? Because it's not, it's not the time to pitch initially on the ladder. And I mean, Starbucks tries to go up the ladder in 90 seconds. You're not Starbucks. You're not business to consumer. You're in a long-term complex sale, and, and we have to navigate a myriad of relationships. And this is the kickoff relationship we're talking about right now, Scott. So this isn't always be closing. This isn't uh, trying to manipulate way into getting them to sign on the line during this first meeting. How often does that work for you? Right. Right. So again, I think you know, we're not selling ins- life insurance here. We're selling complex, highly skilled legal services. And the other thing is, can we help the client understand in their language why we'll benefit them? Can we cite a one-floor elevator speech back to our prospective client? We call it a value statement. It's a one-floor elevator speech. And we have three steps to that value statement. It's a clear statement, which means a statement, not a paragraph about how big your firm is, how many lawyers you have. They don't care. It's a clear statement through the eyes of the client that provides a benefit and a benefit can go up, down or eliminate. So what's the relational capital group achieve next value statement when we're talking to, let's say a sales leader. I'll use a sales leader in this case because they're one of our our targeted groups. We help you increase sales through a strategic focus on relationships. And then we stop talking. Can your listeners come up with a value statement? And I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll get you the template. And you can send that out. It's, it's just a little four by six PowerPoint template with this, this, this verbiage on it. And they just fill in the blanks. We help you increase, decrease, or eliminate through. That's it. That's great. We'll even put that on our show notes. Ed. Eliminate, Scott. They're, they're not thinking about how you do it. And you know it's effective when they come back to you and say, how does your firm do that? Wow. Then you know you pulled them in. So let me ask you this. Let's just say somebody's listening to this. And they feel this might seem too contrived. They might feel that I sound like I'm manipulating. I feel like a used car salesman. What would you say to that person that is just getting used to the idea of client development? Let's say they're masterful in their core area, but they know they've got to grow a book. 
and they're starting to understand these things and they feel like, I feel like I'm contrived. How would you help that person overcome that internal concern? Well, the first thing I would ask them to think about is this question. Do you like to be sold anything? They're probably going to say no. Do you like to buy stuff? They're probably going to say yes. I'm going to say, okay, how do you create an experience where your customers are buying, your clients are buying, and you're not selling? And that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about creating a relational experience. We're not talking about creating a sales experience. A relational experience is all about launching the relationship. We start our conversation off with, hey, I'm here to launch a relationship between our firms. I'll go so far as to train professional service people to say, no sales pitch here today, Scott. If I sound like I'm pitching you, stop me. I'm here to learn about your business. We may not have the right resources to help you. So it's all about establishing credibility by asking those really great questions. A car salesman doesn't really ask you a lot of questions. You know, they ask you, what's your budget? You know, what kind of car are you looking for? Well, those are sales questions. We're going in there with sophisticated questions around their business. If we can leave the first interaction without talking about our firm, we've had an amazing interaction. And having another meeting scheduled, we've had a great interaction. So it's kind of like our goal is to build equity in this emotional relationship. Like they have a stake with us and we have a stake with them. The Wharton School came back with a survey on on decision-making and buying behavior. In an initial interaction, 75% of that interaction, the attorney is being, let's use an attorney, is being assessed emotionally, not rationally. Mm. They're not thinking how smart you are, Scott. They're thinking about your tie or like the gel in your hair or your glasses or what you're going to make them look like walking around their company. So it's really an emotional thing, that initial interaction and, and actually the first few. So we've got to get through, you know, we've got to get out of the valley of acquaintance, I call it. We've got to get off of the first rung of the ladder. We've got to have some way to connect and have a meaningful second meeting. And we find going in to any kind of initial sales interaction with a great set of questions that we can converse about, and it's not just rapid fire questions. And those questions are well thought through. And hopefully they haven't been asked those questions by their competitors. The cab driver, Max, okay, I'll bring my cab back here. I know we're not doing video, but I'll show it to you. He had all kinds of different customers in his taxi cab. He had executives, salespeople like me, executives, salespeople, kids and their families and grandparents, all kinds of different generations. He asked different questions because I asked him what his secret to success was. He said, I asked the questions aligned with the person that's in my cab. So are we tailoring and are we targeting our discussions to the type of client we're approaching? And are we doing it in a way that creates a neat taxi cab ride? When we, when we train our clients on accelerating virtual relationships, you know, what is your virtual facilitation like? What's your virtual taxi cab ride like? People are in your cab. What's it like when they're riding along with you? Are, are they engaged? Are they feeling like you're valuing what they have? Or are you just pushing what you can do? And, and almost every law firm I've worked with, every accounting firm I've worked with, their value statements are all about we're the biggest, the baddest, we have the most. How, do, how does that distinguish? It, it, it doesn't sound distinguishing at all, yet it continues to be repeated. And, and firms have been successful, so they keep doing that. I think competition is such now that we have to, we have to distinguish ourselves a little differently. 
And I think you're absolutely right. And that's what I've seen is that there are some big firms out there, but that's maybe 1% of them. Everybody else, they've got to compete to get business. And the one thing that makes me cringe when I talk about firms and what's distinct about them, and I ask every firm and people that have heard me say this on the show before, I'll say it again. I ask my clients, I'll say, what's different about your firm? What's one thing that you can say that's different about you that nobody else can say about them? And you can't say the word culture because everybody's got great culture. And that just shows me you would think, and I've said this before, like I would have asked for a moment of silence when I asked that because they've never really thought through that. And the first thing they usually say, well, we can charge lower rates, but if everybody charges lower rates, it's race to the bottom. There's one thing that you mentioned, and I'd heard another guest talk about this. His name's Cole Silver. He's the chief client officer at Blank Rome, a big law firm. And he said, it's not just the value you bring to the relationship in terms of solving the problem. It's how they feel about you emotionally. And tell me about that. What's your take on that? The feelings that the prospect has about you as a professional service provider? I think the value that you bring from an experience perspective allows you to rationalize your fees. Right. Who in their right mind would pay $1,000 an hour? Right. Who, who would pay that? Yet, a lot of your listeners are commanding those kind of fees. And all of their competitors are really smart and they can all find that level of expertise. There's something about the, the way that they are helping that client feel, maybe from a confidence standpoint. Maybe they just like being around them. Maybe when they meet with their attorney advisor, it's a break in their day. I don't know what it is, but we talked about this concept of relational GPS. And every single business person client, prospect, whatever we want to call them, has what we call a relational GPS. It's the DNA to the business relationship. So if we can understand their goals, if we can understand what they care deeply about, and if we can understand their struggles, and if they're readily sharing those with us, it gives us so much great information to tailor our conversations, to tailor our engagement letters, to tailor whatever it is we're doing with them, to bring other resources in, and they're buying and, and we're not selling. We talked earlier when we were prepping a little bit, Scott, about the concept of respected advisor. And a lot's been written uh, for the professional services industry on being a trusted advisor. And it's wonderful stuff. I think it falls a little shy of what we call a respected advisor in that a respected advisor is a mutual relationship with the client where they are providing you valuable input and advice, just like you are, business and personal, sometimes not even related to why you're working together. A trusted advisor is a little more focused one way. You know, you're a trusted advisor, Scott, to myriad firms where you're placing and finding, you know, senior attorney talent, right? Senior partner talent. Uh, You've done a great job of that. My guess is you've got some clients who you talk with about their families and maybe a struggle their families have. And they offer that to you because, hey, you know, Scott's, we're friends. We're not just business and has nothing to do with the services you're providing them. And it's everything to do with the experience you've created, the relationship that you've done, you've created with them over the years, that they feel free to talk with you about stuff that has nothing to do with their business. You could go to them and say, you know, I was thinking about your practice and did you know, and it has nothing to do with the services you offer. That's a respected advisor relationship. That's what we try to help our customers evolve to and aspire to having that two-way 
advisor relationship versus we're their trusted legal advisor. Well, Ed, you've obviously got some great ideas. You've put this in a replicable systematic model that people can plug in, and it's a fungible system that works within those in the business of building relationships. Tell us a little bit about your offerings. We've kind of peeked behind the curtain, and we've seen that you have solutions to a lot of the problems, probably every problem that most people have. Uh, Tell me about the work that you do, and then we'll put all the show notes, but what are some of the resources that you have that people, when they go to the show notes, they'll be able to find on the links that we put on there? Well, I think that the way we distinguish ourselves is we we are not a sales process. We are not a rainmaking process. We are a relationship process that complements your rainmaking or your sales process. So it's not about prospecting a number of client prospects in the funnel and all those kind of things. It's all about how do you conduct your interactions within your business development process? How do you assess whether a relationship is an acquaintance, a peer, or or, or an advisor? And we've innovated an assessment, and we can make that available to your audience, called RQ. And RQ is a, a relevant measure of the strength of your Fab Five. So you brought up Fab Five earlier. I'm, I'm glad you did, Scott. And your Fab Five are your top five relationships. So you can go, you can go online, totally confidential. You can put in your goals for the year, the next six months, three months, whatever, and five people. And you can assess the strength of that relationship based on an algorithm we've developed. So we've, we've assessed 35,000 relationships worldwide. So we know a little bit about what we're talking about. And uh, by answering five questions about each person, and the behavior they exhibit with you, you're going to find out where that person is on this relationship ladder that we talk about. And you're going to get a little report that says, here's some things to try to further advance the relationship with Scott. Or here's some things to try to sustain this high-level relationship you have with, with Mary, your client over here. So that's what one of the things we really bring to the table is metrics. You know, we actually bring an ROI metric for, you know, how you're doing with your relationship development, and we call it RQ. And we do all kinds of other training, but I think that would be, you know, with an audience like like attorneys and accountants, uh, measurement's an important thing. So I think that would be a good one to mention based That's on- That's great. Your- we'll definitely put that on the show notes there. And then tell us about the books that you've written, and where can they find those? I assume on Amazon or on your website? Yep, you can go to- uh, well, everything's on Amazon. I would recommend two of the four books, uh, Business Relationships That Last. I think that's the one that you picked up, Scott. Right. And that's really uh, about client relationships. That's really about your external relationships. And then the other book is the latest one. It was number one bestseller uh, called The Relationship Engine. If you're running a law firm or a professional services firm, this is about the culture. This is about your relationships with colleagues. This is about the kind of, we, it's based on what we call relational leadership. So that book did, has done very well. And uh, we've got training programs and all kinds of other tools and things around both of those books. And you can get them on Amazon. You go to relationalcapitalgroup.com and find them on there. Just Google Ed Wallace. A lot of times they come up on my LinkedIn page. That's great, Ed. This is fantastic. Thank you for being on the show today. And we'll have you back on in the future. And one final question. Let me just ask you this. If there were three action steps somebody could take today to implement some of the ideas that you mentioned, what would those action steps be? Well, one of our key concepts is the principle of worthy intent. And it's putting the other person first. And I'm not suggesting we're not doing that, but it's are we displaying it? Are we seeing behaviors coming back from the clients 
that indicate they get our good intentions. So the first principle and the first action step in my mind would be approach every interaction with worthy intent. Great. Uh, the second would be locate their GPS. It's such a simple concept. Almost anything a client shares with you is a goal, passion, or struggle. Come in, be prepared to ask questions, refer back to those answers on future interactions. And the third one is to, to action plan. Actually create strategies, as we mentioned earlier with the Fab Five, create a, a relationship strategy for your key relationships connected to your performance goals. Those three things should uh, help, help everybody go a long way, Scott. This is fantastic, Ed. Thank you so much for being on the show. And like I said, I'll have you back on here in the near future, Ed. Thank you, Scott. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.